We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess listeners. This episode is an adult improver special of sorts, as we will discuss momentarily. But first, as always, wanted to give a shout out to our presenting chess education sponsors, Chessable.com. If you have not heard the news, uh, Jeremy Silman, may he rest in peace, is now his courses are being rolled out on Chessable. Silman's Endgame course is available on Chessable and coming imminently, possibly by the time this comes out, is Grandmaster Maurice Ashley presenting the classic book, How to Reassess Your Chess. I, of course, did a podcast about it some uh, years ago and uh, have some more content related to Jeremy Silman on your way, on my, the way. But um, it's an absolute classic book and it is overdue to get to Chessable. So we're excited for that. Uh, we also have courses from a recent guest, H1 Chess, uh, friend of the pod, FM James Canty. Um, I am Christoph Selecki. is coming out with a black repertoire for beginners. His work is always excellent. I am Andres Toth has something coming soon. So you guys know the drill. Just uh, be sure to go to Chessable, take a look around, see what's new, see what piques your interest. As for this episode, it's one I'm super excited for. Our guest is trying something innovative in the chess, I guess you could call it improvement and content creation space. So he is a uh, 32-year-old who wasn't enjoying his professional career and has decided to take a year off and pursue chess and chronicle the journey. So I am really excited. I feel like this is like a fantasy for a lot of chess uh, enthusiasts, myself included. I wouldn't mind uh, going to like a desert island somewhere and 
really working on my game. Although I guess a desert island wouldn't be the best place because I need people to play. But you get the idea. Anyway, really excited to chronicle this story and dig more into it. So let's welcome our guest, uh, Benjamin Hotkiss. Welcome, Ben. How are you? Hey, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on as well. I think you need a Wi-Fi connection. Then you're good to go then. Yeah, well, I think even like I was thinking like Hawaii would do the trick. I just don't know if there's enough OTB because as I'm sure we'll be <laughs> digging into. I do consider that a crucial component if you're yep, yeah, depending absolutely. on to what extent chess improvement is the true goal. Uh, but Ben, let's begin with the genesis of this project. So for context, uh, Ben wrote about the idea on Reddit and we're recording this on December 1st, 2023. This will likely be out about 10 days later from when we're recording. So Ben may have a few uh, new content pieces pumped out by then, but the basic idea is you can go to his YouTube channel, catch up on what he's done so far, as well as see what happens in the future from when we're recording. But anyway, Ben wrote a Reddit post uh, detailing this quest, and now he's doing it. So Ben, uh, how did this idea come about? Yeah, so I... It's been a, a long time coming in that I have been for about 10 years, probably, um, yeah, about 10, 11 years, trying to find a job which I like so much that in any one day, if I can actually get excited about going to work or feel like I'd rather do that than like have a snow day or a day off, then, then that's, a, that's like my metric for, for yeah, I'm, I'm in a position where, I've, where I'm actually enjoying my job enough. And I went um, on a I sort of went on a journey of different careers, just jumping into them for a little bit until, until I found out, until I realized, okay, this is, this is good in this way, not, not so good in another way. So I tried, I was a maths teacher for three years. Then I went into, uh, I worked for my dad for a couple of years, helping his small business, like as a little sort of mini consultant. And then I joined EY and was a management, management consultant there. And transitioned into being a product manager, like building tech products, and then went to work for a small company um, specifically about um, making uh, an app. And then uh, ended up working for a tiny little, sort of kept on working for smaller and smaller companies, enjoying the, the, the more, uh, the, the freedom and control you got from, from jumping into smaller and smaller companies. And then finally ended up at a tiny company with about 10 people. And all throughout that time, I was like waiting for that thing and I'd never found it. And so in the, in the uh, periphery, I had the idea of making a YouTube channel for, for, for a number of years and never really found the thing that I would actually focus on. And then just in the last uh, few months, I, I thought of this idea, like how good can you get at a thing if you like properly commit to it without a job at the same time? So you can, rather than putting in, um, if you're really really working in your evenings rather than putting in sort of 10, 15, 20 hours a week, you could more put in 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And, and yeah, I just, I just thought, okay, I can save up enough money to make it through a year frugally. And I, so I did that. And then I thought I'm very prone to jumping into things maybe without enough consideration, but like definitely quicker than, than, um, than I know is common. Like I've got lots of friends who, um, who are maybe, maybe, maybe not slow to do it, but they'd be like, they take into consideration for, for a number of months, a number of years, maybe, okay, I think I'm going to move on to another job. And then when they do it, they're always, they're always very happy to, uh, they're always very happy that they did it when they, as, as quickly as they did it. And so I was quite happy just to, to jump in as soon as I could. Yeah, I could sense 
sort of that that strain of thought in some of the Reddit comments, uh, a lot of them were sort of like, "Well, what if it doesn't work out?" You know, and I yeah. just sort of yeah, felt yeah. like this this is a year of your life. It might work, it might not, but you know, if you're in a if you're in a situation where you can do it. I don't feel like there's going to be like toxic harm done if you end up looking for a job in a year. That was just my perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've never been too concerned about having gaps in my CV. I think that's a quite an old piece of advice. Like, uh, I've been I've been in a situation where I've been hiring people and I've never gone. You had six months where you weren't you, know, you weren't doing something productive towards your career. Like, what what what? Tell me about this. Explain yourself and. If you have a reasonable explanation, like I took a year off to try and pursue something I was really interested in, I feel like people are going to be quite agreeable. Yeah, I agree. And also like in in the modern sort of competitive or professional setting, like you'll have the content that you create to point to. Um, Again, Mm, it it might work, it might not, but... It's, people will see that you weren't doing nothing the whole time and that, you yeah, know, yeah, there are certainly it. a strain of, of people hiring who would admire that sort of like, uh, you know, independent go-getter sort of mentality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, certainly the goal is to never have to have that question, <laughs> to, to, never, to never answer to uh, an interviewer uh, in, that, in that context again. So yeah, the, the, I, I'm, I'm 100% with the goal of... Um, yeah, make it make, make a successful enough YouTube uh, channel. Make something which is uh, entertaining enough and provides enough value that people are like, okay, yeah, this is worth enough of my time that I can just live off. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go full Levy Rosman, become the the top chess YouTuber in the world. But I think if I can make something which, uh, yeah, speaks to enough people, then then I can uh, keep the you know, in the business parlance, you know, increase my runway. I can then maybe to go do another year and then see how that goes. And Ben, so I understand that you have a lot of content goals, as you were just discussing, and we will return to those in a minute. But I also noticed you get a lot of questions about like chess-related goals. Now, for context, I think you had mentioned to me that you're about 1400chess.com rapid. Um, do you have any chess rating achievement goals over the course of this year, or are you trying to steer away from that? I, I have, but it's not, my, it's not my main goal. I think the the rating goal I'd like to achieve is chess.com rapid 2200 which i think a lot of your listeners will probably bulk up but i think it's i think it's achievable given how many hours i'm going to be putting into it and how like lacking in distractions i'll be but uh, it's still it's still a lofty goal and but yeah my, my main my main goals aren't rating related Okay. Yeah, I would describe that as extremely lofty, I have to say. But just to set the stage before we maybe debate debate the loftiness yeah, yeah. of that goal or, or exchange opinions, could you describe your chess history briefly? Yeah, of course. Um, so learned to play as a child, but never really got. It never really went any further than sort of playing a few games with adults who taught me how to play the, the uh, to, who taught me the rules and. Then when I was teaching in like 20, uh, 2013, 2014, I was living with a couple of my friends who, who were playing chess with each other over the board and, and weren't in any sort of, you know, hadn't, hadn't had any real history of chess themselves. We were just like learning as they played. And they kept on asking me, Hey Ben, like come, come and have a game. I want to see, you, you know, we want to, we want to see what you can do. And I refused every time I was, I was adamant i didn't want to play that first game because i was really busy being a teacher and like learning how to do that 
and working in evenings and really didn't have a time for a new hobby. And I knew I'd lose. I knew they'd like crush me and, 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 and I, that I'd want to learn how to get better and beat, beat, you know, beat them back. And I just knew I didn't have the time to do that. So I took, um, I, I just took a hard stance, didn't play a single game with them. And then when I left teaching and went to work with my dad, I started, I was like, the, the fire was there. I was like, oh, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to learn how to, how to play this properly. So I started playing online then started watching YouTube videos. It was all like St. Louis chess club, um, Eric Rosen, Ben Feingold, all the lectures on, on there. So we're and then talking um, circa yeah, 2018 then, or something. This is like 2015. Um, okay. So yeah. So, so like, probably not yeah, Eric Rosen yet, but, but go on. Really not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But like 2015, 2016, um, maybe I'm just mixing up memories okay. of, uh, of those things. But then yeah, Chess Network was the main, was the main YouTube channel. Um, so his beginner to master um, series. Um, I don't know at what point where he was in that, but yeah, I started watching that and um, he's not made an, made one of those for a, for a number of years, I don't think now, but, but yeah, that I watched all of those, some of them really long form, like introduced some of the basic concepts like good bishops, bad bishops, um, you know, pawns, when to take, doubled pawns, like some very, very basic stuff, which I'd just never come across before. And, but then quickly devolved into just playing bullet. Um, so started at rapid, Started playing a couple of blitz games, seeing you know finding the adrenaline from that, and then ending up playing two two plus one, and then sadly going all the way down to all the way down to one plus zero, and just spent like I probably played over thirty thousand games of one plus zero over like five years. Wow! Um, but it, but it was just it's just ridiculous because I didn't get very good at chess, <laughs> like actual chess. Right. I got uh, reasonably good at moving quickly and not blundering, and uh, but like making one or two move threats. And just, just, you know, and it was, I was sort of tempted into it because I was you know, taking breaks from work and thinking I don't have time for a, a full 15, 10 game, but and I, I have time for two or three, one plus zero games. Uh, so, and then sometimes obviously then you get addicted and play, you know, for two hours and realize you need to get back to your job. Yeah. Well, to the extent you're trying to improve in this coming year, I hope you don't have too much bullet <laughs> bullet yeah, exactly. blocked off on your calendar. No, 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 I don't. Um, I, I I played one for for some for uh, one session for uh, for a, for a, for a video recently, uh, just for some downtime. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm certainly going to avoid put all the effort into avoiding getting sucked into doing blitz or bullet. Although from your book, um, okay. potentially some blitz for opening practice. Um, the idea of doing like nine games a day yeah. and reviewing every single one. I like, I really like that idea, but really sticking to nine, right, like I cannot reading. go more than nine. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've read, I've read your book. It's very good. Yeah. I've got some questions actually Thanks. at some yeah, point. Yeah. I know this is more an interview of me, but I'd like to speak to you about your book. That'd be, that'd be good. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We can save those for the end, but yeah, the, the concept that I talk about of bright lines, I think, you know, you're right at the level where I kind of say blitz can start to be, um, yeah can start to be uh more do more good than harm um but i think because you have such an ambitious agenda over you know mapped out over the next year it certainly makes sense for you to incorporate some blitz and also like as we'll talk about momentarily you need some fun you know like it can't just be all grinding or else like you know a what's the point and b like you've got to you've you've got to you know map it out in a way where it's sustainable and i might as well just dive in to the two Patreon mailbag questions because they both sort of hit on this theme 
immediately. So like I said, I mean, I'm jealous in a sense of, of what you're doing. And I think a lot of other people will be as well. And so I'm going to read back to back the questions from Kai Liss and Matt Plays Chess. Thanks to both of you for helping to support Perpetual Chess. So Kai asks, he says, I'm wondering if you really don't have any goals at all other than, quote, I just want to learn how to play the game better and enjoy my life more, unquote. Please don't misunderstand me. I think the approach is great. For me personally, I only see the difficulty in maintaining motivation when I don't have any goals to follow, like rating points or norms. So how do you try to maintain motivation over such a long period of time? In any case, good luck and above all, have fun. I'm sure how many, I'm sure many chess aficionados are very jealous. So that's the first question. Second one is from Matt Plays Chess. One, a year off sounds great, but impractical for me. Do you think taking a week or a month dedicated to chess would be beneficial to adult improvers? So we'll come back to that one. And two, how are you thinking about burnout? I love the idea of spending a year on chess, but I worry it would become like a job and I would lose motivation. So especially let's start with that sort of theme of uh, burnout and losing motivation since both Kai and Matt plays chess hit on it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So shall I talk? I'll talk a little bit about motivation. So and then I'll talk about burnout, I think. So with motivation for me personally, I, I'm, I think most people like, I think most people are very hardworking when they find the right thing to do. And I can work very long hours, very intensely work through like, like physical pain, work through like, you know, psychological pain, like this is boring or this is, this is difficult. Um, if I'm, if I quite, I'm quite motivated by the thing I'm doing and I've the, I think the reason why I've struggled with like standard jobby jobs is like I've never been motivated uh, intrinsically, like fundamentally. So I've I've always been fighting myself. I'm always like, okay, I'm going to try and put the hours in. I'm going to try and um, like research this or like really get, get really get good at this because maybe if I get good at the thing, then it'll f- provide me with some intrinsic motivation. And because that's never happened, I've just spent the last ten or eleven years feeling like I'm always fighting myself. Whereas with chess, I actually want to do, I actually want to play it. I actually want to get better at it. And so the, the hard work for the first time, I'm like waking up in the morning and thinking, oh, okay, so I'm going to start with doing these puzzles and then I get to do this. or I get to do that, which is very exciting to me. So I think the, the, um, yeah, yeah, the concept of it turning into a, like a job, feeling like it's turning into a job, that is some, something which there is a danger of that. But it's very different for me personally because all other jobs have been tainted by that thing, which is like a lack of fundamental motivation. That's probably okay. the best way now, of explaining we, it. We have some loose ends to return to from the Patreon questions, but let me pick up on on two things uh, from what you just said. Number one, just want to say from watching your videos, your enthusiasm for chess really comes across. So um, so that rings true to me. I can see you're just really having a lot of fun playing and, and you know, you're still early enough in your journey where I think you can, as I write about in my book, like you can still learn quickly, especially with the number of hours you're putting in. Um, so I do think it could be exciting in that sense. But on the other hand, I did see, um, and I don't know to what extent this is like, uh, your content versus your chess, but having watched your YouTube videos up to the point we're recording here on December 1st, like there was a point where you said you were taking the day off from chess. And I I was uh, curious if that was uh, based on life circumstances or if you were already feeling like this is becoming a grind. Oh yeah, no, it was that particular circumstance was I had the weekend. So I'm 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 typically going to try and take Saturday afternoon off and then all of Sunday off. 
So I had planned to do that. And then on like Thursday or something quite late, I decided to um, do my, uh, join my first ever tournament. And so my first ever over the board tournament, which was five classical games in two days on Saturday and Sunday. So I, I was pretty tired by the time I started the tournament. And then I had the experience, which I'm sure a lot of um, people who are listening to this have had, which is their first ever over the board tournament. I've never played competitive chess with pieces in my hands and it just knocked me out completely. So I was already planning to take Monday off and then I ended up taking Tuesday off as well um, from playing chess. So yeah, certainly that kicked me. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't something which I was, um, it, it, yeah, it was, it was more like a delayed weekend than a, uh, okay. than a, than, I mean, a, than a true, yeah, like, I, okay, I, I completely wiped out. Okay. Yeah. And, and the tournament also another topic I want to return to, but, but before we do that, let's get back to the, the listener questions. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have an opinion on what Matt was asking about taking a week or a month off, I can offer mine as well. But do, do you yeah. think that could be helpful? Could I just answer the end of the other question, the burnout question, just because yes, I didn't yes, quite hear the burnout means. just before. So, um, so with burnout, from what I've read about burnout, it's a lot to do with rest. So you can work really hard for a really long amount, like a, in terms of weeks and, and months rather than like in any one day, any, any, any sort of number of hours, but you can work sort of really hard for, you know, two months with, you know, um, very little time off. But if you rest properly in that time off, if every evening you take at least two hours or one hour or something where you completely switch off, you're not lingering on, you've done a good shutdown process. So you're not really thinking about it anymore and you do some good stuff, like spend time with your family or meditate or whatever you do, exercise. Um, and then you t- definitely take like at least 24 hours off every week. So taking Sunday off and putting into place the the things you need to so that you're not just thinking about that thing. Oh, I'll just quickly check my emails or whatever it is. In my case, it would be going quick, quickly do a puzzle. If you actually rest, right. then it's much more important to do that. Um, that, that, that has a ma- an outsized impact on the likelihood of burnout. So I, I'm sort of resting on that, and I can test if it doesn't if it doesn't work, then then I'll find out and I'll I'll be hit hard. But I, I'm 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 sort of hoping that if I give myself that time off each week, if it, each evening and each week, then I'll be in a good place. Okay. Yeah. Then, I th- I suspect you're right. And then the taking a week off or taking a month to do uh, taking a week to do chess or a month to do chess. Um. I just don't think I've seen, um, Michelle Carr, um, on YouTube, very popular YouTuber who does a bunch of stuff like this, where she takes a, a period of time to, yeah. to try and get good at a thing. Uh, yeah, she did that with chess episodes. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Lenny Rosman. Um, I just don't yeah. think it's enough. She, she went from not, not knowing how, you know, just, just knowing how the pieces moved. So, um, so obviously I've been in a, a position where I have a bit more understanding than that, but, um, I, I really don't think a month is enough time. Um, to, 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 to really make yeah. enough of, I think you'd be sort of setting up, setting some things out in motion, uh, and then you'd get to the end of the month and it's, oh, it's already here. Okay. I guess I'll go back to doing something else. Like, I don't think you'd see enough, uh, change to make it worth, worth worthwhile as a project. Yeah. Well, my thing is like, yeah, if you're just trying to measure it after a month, um, rating is a lagging indicator. I don't think that it would be, um, helpful in that regard, but yeah. If you maintain some chess work after that, I don't think those hours just like disappear, you know, Hmm. into the ether. It's more um, 
it's more just if you're able to take that time and build a foundation and then continue forward, I think it's great. But if you just if you just took a month off, studied chess, and then did zero chess for six months, you probably should have spent that month doing something else, like go to Bali or something, yeah. because yeah, yeah, um, yeah. because uh, it's not the benefits aren't going to be there that much. I mean, obviously, I talk in my book about the importance of uh, daily practice, so it doesn't have to be a ton when you get back to regular life, but you want to keep it in your consciousness. Um, yeah, but, I, agree. I, I totally but, yeah, agree. I so, don't think that it would be a waste of time if you went back to it, but just for my particular circumstance like i'm not i'm not doing this with like a sort of uh, an idea of it being um a recommendation for anyone it's just like i just happen to be in a situation where i think this is a good idea for me at the moment yeah okay yeah, yeah i don't and, know if i've answered that like question said, properly with your your patreon listener so they were asking what would w- would it not be beneficial to do it for a shorter period of time do they give a reason why they why they why they why they're thinking for it for a shorter period of time um, so Matt, I believe was asking, cause f- he was lo- looking at it from his perspective. He was saying, there's no mm-hmm. way I personally would be able to do a year, but I can imagine being able to do a week or a month. So I think he was just okay, yeah. brainstorming about, uh, whether that could be helpful for him. So I, th- I think that we answered that question that basically, as long as he could sticks with it, I do think it could be of some oh, yeah, benefit. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, um, I think it would be a great thing. It's much less disruptive as well, because if your plan isn't to, like leave your job, you can easily take a month off and, and well, maybe not easily, but you can, you can probably, um, you know, grab, grab some time, like, like bring over some time from last year and take four weeks off without to having too much disruption to your year. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and then d- different jobs have different flex time built in. If you're, you know, a professor or a school teacher, you know, yep, you can potentially exactly. get months off. So doesn't yeah, sound yeah. like that's what, what Matt's uh, background is, but um, yeah, my, I always my cousin remember actually, Pontus Carlson. Oh, go on. Sorry. You were going to say something about Pontus Carlson. Oh, sorry. Carlson. Just was going to quickly say, in one of my early interviews with Grandmaster Pontus Carlson, he was saying being a teacher is a great job for a chess enthusiast because you have the, the summers off built in. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Fantastic. Me, me and my cousin actually cycled across the States in 2011 when I had... Um, the this you know i was at university so it was like a summer holiday of university was like three months long and my cousin who was in who was in working in a full-time job he actually asked for like we took like a month and a half to do it so he he asked for six weeks off his job they said no he quit and then when he came back they gave him his job back (laughs) so so (laughs) depending on how valuable you are to that company they might even just you know you can you can usually get get away with quite a lot yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Yeah, call their bluff. After the break, we will discuss whether working full-time subtracts 200 points from your rating. And if not 200 points, how many points? We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. 
Okay. I want to read another. So we got a story from a friend of the pod, Patreon supporter, Tim Brennan, who's the author of the excellent Tactics uh, Primers, uh, Tactics Time and Tactics Time 2. And Tim actually shared a bit about his background, which I didn't know. So this isn't really a question, but I'm going to read Tim's story. And uh, I'm guessing you'll... uh, you'll be encouraged by what he had to say. So Tim writes, I think this is a very interesting experiment. I was in a similar situation years ago. I got laid off from my longtime job of 15 years and had plenty of savings and severance. So I spent a few weeks being a chess bum, quote, before going back to work. My rating instantly shot up 200 points and I was able to cross over 2000 USCF for the first time. I was about 38 years old at the time. One person asked me, quote, how did you gain so many rating points so fast? And I said, I don't have a job right now. I think people vastly underestimate how much having a full-time job can affect your rating because it's normal to do that. It is like a fish not knowing he's in water. Many times the people you play at the club are also in chess bum mode and either do not have jobs or are underemployed, retired kids, etc. My personal theory is that going from a full-time job to not working is worth about 200 rating points just by itself. Once I went back to work, my rating went back to my new 1800 floor. When not working, it wasn't just that I had more time for chess, but also time to go to the gym, no stress, plenty of sleep, etc. It probably also depends on the type of work you do. I'm a software engineer, so my job was was very mentally taxing. No specific questions, but he's wondering if you have any thoughts or, on his 200 points theory. That's really interesting that you went back down to his baseline, though. Like, yeah, 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 I'd, I'd like is. to see. I'd love to see that rating graph and see if there were like differences in peaks because obviously, like, you can easily go up and down the, by, you know, one hundred, two hundred, but but the average is is higher. But yeah, if it, I'd, yeah, I'd love to see that his <laughs> rating graph um, and why and why it went back down. Um, I don't yeah. think that, given my experience so far, I've I've not shot up, um, but but I think it has. Um, it's. I can already feel, like you said, it's a lagging indicator rating. So I can already feel my like a few improvements that I'm that I'm making because I'm I'm I feel and I, and I feel like it's partly because I'm not getting distracted by something else. So I can keep the sort of momentum of okay, I'm learning this, I'm blundering a little bit less, or I'm or I'm being less passive because yesterday I played a game where I was passive. I moved my bishop to. E2 to try and block a check when I could have just moved my king out of the way and I don't need to castle. So why, why am I being so passive? And, and that kind of thing, the momentum of learning those lessons and then being able to apply them the next day rather than like in a few days, I think has made a big difference. But yeah, no, no 200 point rating improvement for me. Yeah. So my first reaction is um, 200 points seems... Like it's probably on the outer edge of doable, although also Tim was starting from a fairly high uh, mm, perspective. Yeah. Can you see my screen now, Ben? Uh, yes, I can. Oh, we can actually see the graph. Oh, yeah, so fantastic. I, yeah, so since we're on, so for people on YouTube, I did call up Tim's re- rating graph and his story checks out. I mean, you can see, uh, and I'll link to this for those of you listening on audio, but preceding uh, uh, 2014, he has this massive jump up and then he just kind of falls back down and squiggles. I mean, I do. it does sound like Tim maybe has an unusually challenging job. So that might, um, that might factor into it as well. But, um, but there's a second so peak there as well. Points, I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, like he, so he I wouldn't hit, guarantee he, he, 200 he, points. No, 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 no. 
No, go if on. you could, that'd be amazing. I just, I just like the idea of that he went, he went a peak like immediately, and then just came down in like four steps, and then he hit and he hit like half that site. Like again, from the baseline of like I think it was eighteen hundred. He then then goes goes to maybe nineteen hundred, um, but which he'd never hit before. So he, I think, I think the drop was probably not his new base. No, he yeah, he was in his new baseline, but wasn't necessarily like. Uh, representative of his skill level i think he definitely incre- improved overall yeah i mean it, it's just hard to say once once uh circumstances do get back in the way but i also appreciate tim's point about like you take one can take for granted that other people are living the his his words chest bum lifestyle like kids for example like mm. when i was a kid and playing a lot i was so immersed in chess you know even though i was in school every day you're daydreaming half the time um and then you have so much time to do other stuff so and obviously some a lot of people in their 20s and as tim said and retirees uh find a way to devote a lot of time but but when you're in the sort of middle stages it, it can can be more challenging and can be something that is uh underestimated um yeah. so but ben let's hear more about your tournament because i mean that's just such a momentous um you know that's such a a big milestone and you know how you perceive that and what you learn from that is going to frame so much of like how the next year goes so what what are your early impressions of your first otp tournament I loved it. I thought it was an amazing experience. I lost the first four games and then won the last game. And I got to the end of the first day, so I'd lost all the all the first three games. And I had um I was surprisingly um I was surprisingly okay with having lost all three games. I I I definitely um I posted about it that I I that the sort of growth mindset, the idea that the point of this whole project is to learn really helped me not feel like terribly disappointed because it didn't really matter if I won or lost because either way, I'm going to get as much, uh, like a hell of a lot of learning experience from from the games. I didn't play particularly well. I, so that, that was a bit of a disappointment after the looking back on the whole thing. Like, um, But having looked at the games, it, it did highlight or reemphasize the things which I knew I wasn't particularly wasn't particularly um, good at or the things which are, are, are my biggest weaknesses are the things that are holding me back. So I can I, I'm inclined to play passively in an attempt to sort of you know avoid all the issues that are, all the threats that are coming at me um, rather than sort of counterattacking and and providing creating a mess for my opponent, which I did in the last game. So the last game was an absolute chaotic mess. I made a blunt. I I sacrificed a bishop for two um like the g and h pawns thinking i could just like run my pawns up and cause a cause havoc uh, at some point in the game but then i missed a threat on my king which ended up me losing going down an exchange and then i just continued to make an absolute mess of the position and ended up ended up winning um because i think my, my opponent was just like there's so much happening i don't know how to deal with all of this and they ended up making a few imprecise slow moves which um yeah eventually capitalized on but i tell you what over the board chess is way more taxing like way more um, yeah mentally exhausting than i gave it credit for and i know it's known for that but i thought my i've, I've got a history of doing like endurance sports and I'm, I'm reasonably fit and i was like okay i can do this this is fine like i'll be able to i'll be able to out, outlast these people who 
um, I'll be able to be concentrating in that in that third game on 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 the first day. And I really wasn't like my. It was the combination of to playing for you know three 80, 80 minute plus ten second games in a day, but also the fact that I was playing over the board and I wasn't used to seeing the pieces. So like certain certain things were at one point my opponent um, put me at a pin, and then I ended up. Like walk, you know, walking my king round, thinking I could just um, get out of this situation, and and then they took a piece. I thought, oh yeah, of course, of course, that piece is hanging. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't right. see it, I didn't notice it. But uh, like now that he's taken the piece, like of course that okay, that's the end of the game. That that's that's me over. And I just felt like <laughs> I am completely. I'm like I am now playing at a rating like hundreds of points below my my what should be my ability. So that was an interesting and an interesting interesting thing to note, and something I'll definitely learn from. Yeah. So how do you use that information going forward? Um, I think, uh, well, for, for, for over the board tournaments specifically, it's going to be make sure I have enough rest beforehand because I'd, because of the circumstance, I didn't realize I was going to be playing it until, until a couple of days before, but maybe take a day or two off and do loads of loads of exercise or like, like relax and get loads of sleep. Um, but but um and then and then just train over the board more so i'm already reading books with a with, with a real p uh with a real chess set and i think playing slower games by replicating so i'm, I'm going to start playing um every so often classical games um online but then because we've got enough time just setting up a real set and playing the game and only only looking at that game with my board Okay. Yeah. Those sound like uh, good, good prescriptions. And Ben, what is the local chess scene? Like, where do you live and what's the local chess scene like there? Yeah, uh, I live in the Midlands now. So I've just moved recently and I, uh, I was living in London previously and living in London uh, without a job doesn't really work. So uh, <laughs> right. I'm now, not, I'm now living in the mid- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it has a great chess scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, living in the Midlands, uh, um, joined a local chess club and yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, we've got, I've got a tournament on the fourth or just a small, a very small tournament on Monday. Um, and, um, and yeah, there, there seems to be uh, a fair number of chess events that I can, I can drive to. And, uh, and yeah, it's not as easy as London where you could just hop on the tube, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely lots of opportunities to play, which is... Uh, so do you think you'll yeah, be part, able to meet the, your... as I write about, the John Donaldson prescribed 60 games in this year? Do you think you'll be able to get there? Yeah, yeah, I 60 think so. rated? Yeah, yeah, okay, I do think that's so. that's great. And, and also, like, I know it's your fourth tenant to do tournament games because they, um, because you're making... I think part of the extra reason why they're better than like a slow online game is because of how seriously you take it. Yeah. Um, which is, which is certainly true. I found that in the tournament, I was, my concentration was um, basically a hundred percent. Like I wasn't sort of, obviously you can't check your phone. You're not really, I wasn't really thinking about anything else, but the game that was being played, whereas you can in online games get a bit distracted, but because I'm part of the chess dojo, um, I'm, um, I'm playing more slow, very like cl- proper classical, like, classical online games. And because it's, um, we um, organize those games. So you find a training partner or find a person who wants to play a game with you. You pick a time, and you know, okay, on, on tomorrow at 10 a.m. I'm going to play this game with this person. Um, it's a bit different than just getting on Lee Chess or chess.com and clicking yeah. new game um, because 
And so I, I think that doing that regularly as well makes a big difference. Um, properly yeah, setting out I, my store. I, I agree. Yeah. And I felt bad for you in reading the Reddit thread, like the, you know, reams of unsolicited advice you were getting in terms of like, A, the sort of lifestyle stuff we talked about, but also like what to study. And obviously, I, of course, have my own opinions, but nonetheless, I was uh, heartened when I, when you said, you know what, I'm just going to join the chess dojo and do what they say. Um, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. how's that going so far? Yeah, really well. I, I was part of it. Um, I've been part of it for a little while, but but when I was previously um, on on there with 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 a job i just found it so difficult like i i was um i was unable to commit to regular practice i um, started playing a weekly a weekly classical game on, on and i'd pick a weekend days to do that but i just struggled to do it i i would i would end up with commitments and i sort of had to drop out of those things so yeah i i, lo- I love the chess dojo um it has the community it has the uh, and a proper strong community of people who are genuinely there to help you and one of the tenets is that you're meant to help people above you or, or get help from people above you and advice and game analysis, but also look to people below you in you know, below and above is all rating, I mean. Um, and yeah. and so you do get a lot of help from people who are just much, much better at chess than you are, which is, uh, which is an incredible, incredible uh, benefit. Yeah. And of course they have targeted study recommendations for different rating levels. Are you going to follow those or do you have sort of your own plans? No, no, I, I, I have a bit of both. Like I have, um, I have the books that's relevant to my rating band. I'm reading that and, um, and yeah, I'm also doing other things that are sort of slightly outside of their prescription. Like for example, tactics, I'm using um, CTR 4.0, which is like an app that's um, based on a a tactics book and um, has some nice features that you don't get in other puzzle or uh, in some other puzzle apps. Uh, That's not part of the dojo. Like that's not part of the prescription I've got, but it is like Okay, they're fair enough. You want to be doing. I, I want to. I've got enough time to be doing quite a lot of tactics per day. So you know, rather than just reading uh, "Winning Chess Tactics" by Yasser Sarawan and um, and doing Puzzle Storm, I'm also going to do this extra work on top of that as well. That's great. And how um, how structured are your days in terms of your studying? Are you going to do like two hours of calculation every morning and then like play a game in the afternoon? Or are you just kind of like wake up and figure out what chess thing to do each day? Mm. Yeah, at the moment, it's very structured. But um, and I was sort of criticized for that as well, like uh, um, that people looked at that and thought, this is ridiculous. You know, you're going to you're going to burn out immediately because you've just got this. You're going to be disappointed if you don't hit that thing by by the minute. Um, but my experience of setting schedules is like set them, have them really look, looking like they're very rigorous or or, or like, um, very, very structured to the minute, but then don't, don't worry if you don't do it. So I've got, you know, each minute mapped out as to what I'm aiming to do. But then if someone says, Hey, do you have like an hour to just do some puzzles now? Then I'm very happy to throw the, the structure out the window and say, yeah, of course, let's do that. Um, that's, that's how I'm making it. So it doesn't, uh, stress me out. Okay. And from a lifestyle lifestyle perspective, Ben, I know you said you've got some savings, but like, are you on like a shoestring budget? Like, do you have to count every yeah. penny in order to like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. And yeah, I'm quite happy it's... to do that. Like I'm from the North of England and we're, we're known for, we're known for being stingy and, uh, and frugal. And so okay. it's in my nature to be counting the pennies. Um, 
so yeah, I, I am, I am pretty, I am pretty like, uh, pretty much like, okay, I've got enough for a year. And then if I, if I can monetize the YouTube channel and then like start earning like a few pounds, uh, for each video, then, then it will ease that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite happy to, I'm quite happy to do that. I think it's like, uh, I've always been, I've always been happy to, uh, yeah, live, live frugally and well below my means. But in this case, it's exactly at my means. Okay. And I hope you don't mind my asking, but do you have like a significant other or like, what does your family think of, uh, think of this plan? Yeah, I have a significant other and she's very supportive and my family are quite used to me doing this kind of thing. So they're like, yep, yeah, that sounds like, <laughs> sounds like you. Good, good luck. We, we wish you all the best. And, uh, yeah, they're very, very supportive. Excellent. That That's good to hear. After the break, we will discuss the best way for Ben to share his full-time chess job on his YouTube channel. And after that, Ben starts asking me questions about my book. We'll be right back. And we are back. All right. Let's brainstorm your content a little more because I sense that yeah. you've been still trying to wrap your wrap your head around exactly how to present it. Um, mm -hmm. It sounded like from our brief conversation before we hit record, you're sort of coalescing around a strategy. Um, maybe it will have changed, maybe not by the time this comes out. But what's your what's your what's your content strategy for, uh, as of December first? Yeah, so it is to make regular enough content. I hate the word content. Make it make regular. I, I end up saying it because it's it's just it's just in the in the vernacular. But make regular enough videos that. I, um, I'm able to like show people what I'm actually up to frequently. And I, I think I've been playing around with like what, what that should look like. There's a guy on YouTube called Sam Sulek. He's a 20 something year old bodybuilder, just an amateur bodybuilder. He started making videos on YouTube and they were just quite long, sort of 40, between 30 minutes and 60 minutes. He would drive to the gym and talk on the way, which is where I got the idea of just talking in my car on the way back from the swimming in the reservoir. Okay. So like completely just took that idea of him. And then people got to know him, really liked how sort of his, how he was. He just seemed like a nice guy. And he was quite, um, just matter of fact. And he wasn't trying to make sort of ridiculous thumbnails. He wasn't trying to make content, which was like very punchy. He was just a guy talking, talking about what he was up to, what he was up to, and then showing his work at the gym. He's become very popular mm -hmm. and it's been, um, in the YouTube creation world, it's been like, Oh, actually maybe YouTube of old is coming back like 2012 YouTube where people weren't con con concerned about, um, making nice thumbnails and they were very just genuinely presenting their lives on camera. So I like the idea of doing that initially. And I've played around with that a little bit try to make a few punchier videos, like very, <laughs> they're not, they're like still like 10, 20 minutes long. Um, and then at the moment I'm more, most likely to go into making live stream, uh, the regular stuff. So I'll live stream every day on YouTube and then I'll maybe make a video like once or twice a week with if something more specific to say, but given that I'm sort of trying to spend eight hours a day playing chess for me to then think of like what's worth presenting as a YouTube video, doing it, recording it, and then editing it, which I'm not, I'm not an expert ed editor. It takes me ages. Um, that's 
not something I want to add to my to my workload or like split my focus. So I'm like a, a video creator and a chess improver. I'd rather just click on the camera, be a streamer, which I know doesn't isn't no work, but it's I think less work. Um, that's yeah, less less work than than what I'm currently doing, given my editing skills. And then yeah, that that should be that should tick both boxes, providing enough regular um, video content for people and to show what I'm actually up to, but also reduce my workload, my, my editing workload. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can only give my perspective and as, as I write in my book, I'm not someone who's sitting around watching YouTube a lot. So my perspective is maybe not the best one to give, but, um, but I will say like, I'm interested in the story, you know, like it, I'm genuinely interested in the story, but I'm less interested in the nuts and bolts. Like, um, mm. so I don't know if that's true for, for other people, but like in terms of like watching you solve puzzles and stuff, like my personal perspective is that's, um, that's not as compelling as just like a daily or frequent check-in with like, these are the four things I did today. You know, this is how it went. You know, this is how my tournament went. I feel like this is going well, or I feel like this is going terribly. You know, yeah. this was a terrible mistake. I shouldn't have done this. But I'm interested in sort of the emotional ups and downs and um, the challenges, the unforeseen challenges, but sort of like the big picture stuff that you would like tell your girlfriend if she was out of town and you talk to her, you, you yeah, know, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't uh, go through the checkmate in four puzzle with her. You would just say like, man, this is You brutal. don't know what I'm I'd do with my girlfriend, Ben. I'd go through the checkmate in a four puzzle with her. She barely knows how to play the game, but I'd show her that mate in a four immediately. Right. No, and I, and yeah, I don't mean to be like uh, gender biased in, <laughs> in, in any way. It could, you know, the shoe could be on the other foot uh, yeah. just as easily. But anyway, that's just my perspective. <laughs> no, no, I think it's a really good point. I, I um, yeah, I, I was planning to keep the, like go back to doing the, the driving the driving shots because i think they they are something which um yeah provides that insight it's unstructured it's just me it's literally just me driving back from going for a swim so it's not um like a, a well-structured like this video has a real purpose and it's about this thing it is just like a daily update of how i'm doing um so yeah i yeah. I, I really appreciate that point and i think i think yeah, it'll be interesting to see like who is interested in or is anyone interested in the the nuts and bolts versus the the story overall. So yeah, that's a Yeah. I mean I think I and like, I think I like people might I mean Yeah, and people knowing the do dojo co cohort might know some of the stuff you're like they may already know some of the stuff you're studying. But I do think people will be interested in what you're studying. It's just I don't think my my best guess is people wouldn't mm. necessarily be so interested in watching you study as opposed to like keeping up with the story and seeing seeing how it's going but anyway sorry yeah. sorry because i'm sure you're getting flooded with uh with unsolicited <laughs> no, 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 it's not, advice it's not, it's not <laughs> luckily in this case like the reddit post was literally me asking for people's advice on training it was less about like yeah should i do it or should i not which people jumped on but but yeah i'm certainly interested in right. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah exactly I'm, I'm certainly interested in the um the the advice on on training and also the advice on content creation because I have no idea. Like I, I I I know what I like to watch on YouTube, but I know that like I'm not necessarily the target demographic for the stuff I'm making as well. Like so, it's hard to know. Yeah, I mean, to me, like I said, because it's so many chess players fantasy, like 
the most compelling thing is to really give them a sense of what it's actually like to do it, you know? Mm, um, yeah, yeah. But but it'll it'll be fun to follow. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And yeah, I would say lean into the OTB stuff. I mean, um, you know, there's all kinds of poker vlogs of like people just chronicling their day at the casino, you know, like, and mm. as like people like John Bartholomew have talked about, even with top players, there isn't as much coverage. But I think even with uh, amateurs, just the sort of the ups and downs of of a given tournament can be quite relatable. Like even just two minute videos after every game, like, oh, I'm crushed. I can't believe I hung my rook at the end there. You know, yeah, this, that's a good point. this seven-year-old just like crushed my spirit, you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, all of yeah. that is uh is very, very relatable. Um yeah, I've not even played ben, poker so before I think, and I, I watched Daniel Negrano's um poker vlog sometimes because right, yeah. he's an entertaining chap. Yeah, mm. although he of course is lucky in that he does the the you know drive and talk thing but he also can just record a bunch of stuff and then send it to an editor <laughs> of course to, yeah uh, that, that makes it to get difference. it ready yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um so you had some questions about my book ben yeah yeah well at least just some just stuff to talk about because i really enjoyed it i think that even though i'm a listener of your podcast i still got a lot out of your uh, curation of the of the episodes and your um your experience as a chess player as well sort of like combined so that was a yeah it was i really enjoyed reading it so thanks for writing it thank um, you appreciate there was, it there was one point in your in your book in your uh in your chapter about visualization i just wanted to talk to you about because it your it seemed like you would talk like i remember watching david Proust on again on the chess dojo youtube channel i think it was um he does like a big long two-hour video about how to visualize and he explained at the beginning he can't visualize like he can't see i think he maybe has aphantasia or he has something um where he can't actually like picture anything if he just closes his eyes like he can't picture his wife's face i think he said um so he definitely can't see a board but he can still do blindfold chess like he can, he can do like a blindfold simultaneous um four per four four chess game match um because he remembers that the bishop is on b2 and then he goes, okay, well, if the bishop's on b2 and the pawn on g7 hasn't moved, then the rook and the rook's behind, you know, he he sort of maps it out in a um, in a rational way, but he doesn't actually see it. Um, and I just wondered if, like, if anyone you've spoken to has had that when they talk about visualization, or have, we, have you only ever spoken to people who are actually talking about, like, okay, then, you know, seeing it in their mind's eye or looking at the ceiling like uh, Hikaru? Yeah, it hasn't actually come up in those terms on the podcast that often. I've seen some online discussion of like strong players describing what they see, and I have heard other players say they don't really see a chessboard per per se. Um, hmm. But um, I don't think it's like I think it might be academically interesting, um, but I don't think it's practically. I don't think it matters that much. Like it's more. Hmm. I mean, I do think you're at a level, I mean, as I talk about in the book, where something like the step two thinking ahead, I think would be quite beneficial and some visualization work like or the visualized courses on Chessable are both uh, good choices. Um, but I so I think some work on visualization is important, but it's more just do the hard work and whatever you're seeing air quotes seeing when you close your eyes yeah yeah, yeah. uh you're seeing but you're you'll build the skill however it's appearing you know in your head Mm. yeah nice okay that's a good point 
And I saw your post on Lead Chess, I think it was, where you uh, added the things that you would add to the book if um, yeah. if it was published. Um, I think that there was one point about, about visualization that I don't know if maybe I missed it, but the massive benefit for me and why I'd like to get better at blindfold chess is that I really struggle to read chess books. It's the most... It's like trying to learn how to read whilst reading a book. It's like very yeah. uh, system two intentional. Like I'm like, okay, I look at the page, it says Bishop D2. And I'm like, if I've set up a piece on my board, then I'm like, okay, Bishop D2. Okay. And it's like a little bit about coordinates, but it's also like, if I had, if I had the ability to hold a position in my mind, make a few moves, it would change me, my reading of books like, uh, completely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, that, I mean, I, you know, I stu studied Russian in college and lived there. And the experience of trying to read Russian was just like that. It was like a sentence of like pure slog, you know, like just like so much more challenging um, yeah, than, than just speaking. Um, and yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, hearing that makes me think that it might be worthwhile to spend a lot of time up front. Uh, doing like the the bleachess or chess.com like board visualization drills mm, yeah um, yeah um and again I, I can't recommend enough step step two thinking ahead i think for for your level in particular it would be great because a lot of the sort of, they you know they break down the questions into small enough pieces where yeah. you will get a lot better at naming the squares um which I, yeah. yeah i even saw in one of your videos where you were saying you know it's like one of those is it f5 or c4 things you know and um yeah, if yeah, you're not exactly. um if you didn't grow up playing chess it, it definitely takes work to to determine yeah absolutely yeah that, that that's that is one thing that's i just i thought that it was um it's something which well as i was reading the chapter on the blindfold uh as i was reading your blindfold chapter i was thinking like Oh, maybe I shouldn't focus on it too much. And then I remembered, like I know, but the reason the reason for me is the is the um is that is the book reading. Yeah, being able and to read, I, yeah. And like yeah, and I, that, and that I makes have, total sense. I've got like the book, uh, I've got a book on on Mikhail Tal, and I'm like looking forward to reading that. And I know it's not really like just more for enjoyment than 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 directly improving. I think it's a little bit over my head. But I know that I'm a little bit hesitant to start because I know that actually at the moment it would be mostly the sort of administration chore of reading it would sort of be for, yeah. like foremost in my mind. Um, but then, just, then yeah. just to say like, there's a few things like, I know that um, your advice, your four tenets are like quite in line with the chess dojo. So it was great to read the detail there. And I like highly recommend anyone who's not got the book to like get it because it's um, even though I already was sold on those four tenets, there was good information in there and um, sort of pearls of wisdom from all the people you've spoken to. Um, but the two extra things that I'm definitely going to start doing based on the book uh, that I hadn't already uh, mapped out were the checklist. I've actually read Atul Gawande's uh, checklist manifesto as well. I really like that book, but I never considered it. With, yeah, it's a great book. Uh, how it relates to chess. So yeah, I'm going to grab the the examples you used of like looking at what your opponent's idea is, their checks, caption threat checks, caps, uh, captures and threats, and then what's changed in the last move, and then your checks, captures and threats. If I can say that. Um, and then the lastly, I've been working on you know, tactics really hard for the last week or so. And I had been thinking in terms of pattern recognition, focusing on that, and also then like the, the slower calculation. But I think um, obviously that's the bone of contention um, in 
not in the not in the tactics section in the first four tenets, but later on in the book when you talk about uh, tactics redux, I think I'm yeah. probably going to focus on themed puzzles using CTR 4.0, but not focus too much on like just blitzing out like woodpecker style, getting to the point where I just I just have all these patterns memorized. More like improving my calculation, taking the time I need to take, and then. Um, drilling it with doing more random puzzles, probably using like chess tempo, for example. So yeah, that I, those are the two things okay. that I most like, like, okay, this is actually like fundamentally changed how I'm thinking about the, the, the structure of my, of my training. So thanks very much for that. I really appreciate okay. you, you writing the book because it's, uh, yeah, helped a lot clarify some of the thoughts I was having. That's, that's great to hear. And obviously I, I, I approve of these changes being the one that uh, wrote the suggestion. And, um, nice. and I don't know if uh, Dojo has this in, I mean, I, I'm always like, you know, I'm always preaching the same sort of, of, of a handful of resources, especially like for players around your level. But I mean, the two biggest ones, as I say in the book are step two thinking ahead. And, but the other one is the checkmate patterns manual, um, which you can get in book or on chessable. Um, yeah. But, well, but I do feel like something those, similar. Those are, they, they yeah, they recommend the, the mate in twos and the mate in threes from uh, the Polgar 5,334. Yeah, I mean, I like that book. I mean, that that's one where I would, uh, I might have to call up Jesse Cry and, you know, do, do an argument, do a 10 minute argument video with him. <laughs> do because it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like it, but I like, I actually like the pattern permutations of, of the Checkmate Patterns Manual in particular, like to just see it from every angle systematically. Mm. I feel like is is important at your level, but that's just my two cents. And as I've said, I, I mean, it. it's every every chess player has an opinion, you know. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's it's it. Tough yeah, it's to just trying to. And, that's, and at that's some point, you've just got to do the work. Yeah, that's it. I think that's Sorry, the ahead. one of the things that the chess dojo, uh, one of the reasons why they created it is because they recognize that there's so much, there are so many voices, and there is so much advice, mm-hmm. and. Look, yeah, this may not be, you may argue with me, you know, Ben Johnson may come on my, on the podcast and have an argument with me about Polgar's mates, but like, yeah, the, the nuts and bolts might change the, the details, but, um, to have a, to have a structure and have a plan just given to you is so valuable because you don't have to sort of um and ah too much about it. Um, because yeah, if you re- if you recognize that, okay, this is going to be good. A nuance might improve it slightly, but I don't need to actually go and go in search of all these other things. I can just do this program, which has been uh, created and curated by these people, uh, these experts. And then, yeah, I'm probably going to be good to go. Yeah, quantity is the best quality, right? Yeah, exactly. So I've got a, a couple of questions about your, your chest then. So uh, you said that uh, in the book, as of writing this in May 2023, I'm planning to return to active competition as soon as I finish writing a book. So I was wondering, can now that you've written it, are you? Um, is this still your plan? Actually, sorry, that wasn't in your yeah. book, of course. That was in your on your website. No, I think it's in. I think it is in. I mean, whatever. I said it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I have, and and I've mentioned this in a couple interviews. I actually like right around the time I was putting the finishing touches on the book, I did find a local league to play in, um, which I it was there all along. I just didn't realize uh, it was close enough where where I could go. So I've been playing in a uh, almost weekly league. And uh, honestly, it's the only thing keeping my chess game afloat right now, because I haven't in the past few days, I've started to wake up, you know, excited to play blitz and stuff, which I hadn't felt for a while and working on a little bit of openings. But prior to that, I was in a bit of a lull where I was going and playing every week, 
but kind of going through the motions when I reviewed the games and not mm-hmm. feeling very inspired. But I feel like I'm starting to get my mojo back a little bit, and pro- I'm I'm probably gonna stick with just the league games at least uh, through January. But after that, might start looking for to supplement it with a few tournaments. Which if I did that, that's a lot. As we wrap up, Ben asks me about my own approach to OTB, what weaknesses I am working on, and how. That discussion continues right after the break. And we are back. How are you finding the games? Has um, have you found success, uh, or have you have you been happy good. with the I games? Mean, yeah, I've gotten a little lucky results-wise lately, um, which, you know, doesn't always happen. It's kind of nice when it does. Nice. Um, yeah, I'd give them a B. Um, I feel like I'm not in tip-top form, but it def- it makes a huge difference just to show up and play. It stops mm. bad habits from getting too far out of control. So it could be better. Nice. It could be worse. I'm definitely not. Like, there are moments where you feel like, like as we were talking about with the reading, there are moments where you feel like, you're immersed in, you know, it's like you're in a foreign country and you're starting to learn to think in the language. You know, mm. there are moments where you're you're at that level with your chess. You just feel like it's a part of your daily consciousness. Um, and I'm definitely not there right now, but I'm also like, it's like I'm having to use the language once a day or something. It's like enough mm. to keep okay. the ball rolling at least. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of where it's I am. Nice. Okay. And maybe it's not happened then yet, because if you've been in a lull, you might not have been training all that much. But I wondered how writing the book has actually changed your own training, because this is always interesting. You've just written a book about how to improve as a chess player. And like, it's obviously part of your, this is, you know, you are the host of this podcast and you do so many uh, episodes on improving. But now that you've actually published it and you had to structure those thoughts and put them all down on paper, I just want to know how, how your training has or will change. Yeah, well, it's really a case of practice what I preach because, you know, one of the sort of main takeaways I hope from the book is um, to ultimately at the end of the day, it's really hard to decide what to study, but I gravitate towards things that I enjoy. Um, So I'm so and I do enjoy competing, which is good because I do consider as I write in the book, I consider that the best practice. So I do want to compete frequently. I do enjoy working on my openings. I do enjoy playing blitz. Um, So basically, my 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 study plan is structured around those things. Um, So and I recognize that those aren't if I were truly trying to optimize in my chess results, there would be some some hard calculation work in there. And mm-hmm. I'm basically at this point in my life, I'm just not going to do it. You know, this yeah, just is what it is um, that there might be some other period in my life where I decide I'm going to spend an hour a day, but it's not happening imminently. <laughs> yeah. And it might actually be better for your chess career not to do that because you might, if you, if you force yourself to do it, you might stop enjoying chess just enough so that you stop playing altogether or, or stop going to tournament games or whatever. Like it's easy to, to make that hobby into something you don't enjoy anymore. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and as I write in the book, when you're playing regularly, you are getting calculation practice, like, un- yeah. you know, could yeah, I yeah, do exactly. more? Yes. But yeah, but it's not, you get, nothing, it's like, you know, playing basically gives you everything because, uh, apart from reading, you can't replicate reading a book through playing because it's, you're not grabbing out someone, else, you know, taking lessons from someone else's mind, but you are doing tactics training because you can tr- check for tactics every move and see if, if you can make a tactic work or you're doing calculation training or visualization training. Like it, it's very, it has everything in it basically. Um, yeah. last question then, uh, in chapter 12, you mentioned the three, 
well, an example of your, three of your shortcomings. So you said converting advantages, uh, time trouble, and calculation. And I just wonder, obviously, we've just mentioned calculation. You're not focusing on that. But I wondered which of those you're going to focus on and how you maybe decided, like, how, how um, do you even yeah. decide which weakness to focus on? Yeah, time trouble for me is the one that I'm really focusing on because you, when you're playing regularly, you do get a regular chance to address it. And that is the area where I have been making progress. And as I've said before, at, at least at my level, like so much of um, so much of results comes down to decision making and sort of managing game flow. Um, so for me, like I, that's the lowest hanging fruit. Even not to say it's easy. Behavior change is one of the hardest things. But it's easier to me than just becoming like immensely stronger at calculating. So I would say that that of those three things, that's the one that I'm working on. And and I am seeing slow progress with setbacks along the way, such as my most recent game. But um, but overall, the advantage conversion is frustrating. I was playing I played a couple of blitz games yesterday and it's still terrible. And it's funny because that's relatively low hanging fruit. Also, you know, like mm. if you if every time you screw up a winning position, you play the same position against an engine, like even if we're just talking about blitz, like I feel like I would get better at it. But you just want to play the, ne- you know, you just review yeah, the game yeah. and you want to go to the next one. So, yeah, so that's absolutely. one where it's not out of the realm of possibility that I would get more motivated. Um, and that one, it's more, that one, by the way, is more for, it is an issue in OTB, but it's a bigger issue in Blitz for me. Time trouble? No, no, advantage conversion. Advantage conversion. Okay, okay, yeah. I was going to say, When I have course, more time, time, I tend to not yeah. screw it up as often, you know. That's interesting, yeah, okay. I mean, that makes, it kind of makes sense um, to struggle with that in Blitz. But yeah, okay. Nice. Fantastic. Well, Ben, I mean... In closing, I I really admire, like I said at the beginning, I admire that you're doing this. I had a friend when I was in probably around age 30 who decided he was going to he was going to have a party. And uh, everyone who came suggested a country for him to go live in for six months. um, And they put it in a hat and he picked it out and he ended up going to live in Zambia for for six months. And, uh, you know, I I think he enjoyed the experience and it's something he would have never done. So I'm all for, like, as, as you mentioned, feeling professionally unsatisfied. I'm all for sort of obviously really pushing hard until you find that thing. So I, I just just think it's awesome what you're doing and don't let the haters get you down. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me as well because, um, yeah, it's uh, it makes a big difference. And, yeah, it's good. It's just good to, to hear your thoughts. And, yeah, definitely keep throwing at me unsolicited advice. You and listeners okay, as well. Okay, yeah. So, and, <laughs> and yeah, we forgot I'm, I'm, to mention, by the way. Yeah, go for it. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, we forgot to mention that you're collaborating with uh, I Am Andres Toth and Eric Rosen. Uh, you should probably uh, give a plug to whatever it is you're doing with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, so I'm going to work with Andres Toth on... Um, on general chess, uh, we haven't decided exactly how that's going to look yet. And then I'm going to be working with Eric Rose and mainly on openings. And yeah, so I'm Great. very lucky to be able to work with those two, um, both obviously extremely strong chess players, but also um, experienced educators um, with a wealth of stuff on their respective YouTube channels. So yeah, and stuff stuff I've enjoyed previously. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm particularly lucky to be able to, to be able to like speak to those people who I've already seen seen them and uh, admired them from from afar yeah uh, obviously great content creators and great guys as 
um, evidence, you know, Eric's Eric, if he's charging for lessons, they're not, they're not cheap. You know, you can't, you can't afford them on a shoestring budget. So it's pretty cool that, uh, that he's helping you out. Um, and yeah, and Ben, you and I should stay in touch as well. We could potentially either do like check-ins on the podcast or I'm happy to collaborate on, on your channel at some point as well. So, um, that'd be fantastic. But yeah. Exci- excited to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. So am I. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. All yeah, right, it's, so- been, uh, it's been loads of fun chatting. Yeah, looking forward to sure, having yeah. another so conversation. We'll link to your YouTube channel. Um, yep. Is there anything else people should need to track your your uh, escapades? Uh, no, it's uh, Piffle Sticks on YouTube, which is just a nonsense word I made up combining the word piffle and fiddlesticks. So P-I-F-F-L-E-S-T-I-C-K-S. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's okay, the only well, place ben... I'm actually doing posting stuff at the moment. So yeah, follow me there. Okay, great. Well, look forward to it and uh, good luck and yeah, uh, enjoy it. Thank you so much. All right, chat soon. Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.